On today's show, the 2023-24 NBA schedule is here. Let's look at the Cavs part of it, what stands out, the big matchups, all of it talked about and discussed on a new episode of Locked on Cavs. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. The music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damrell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. The 2023-24 NBA schedule is here. Also weird to say, think about the year 2024. Honestly, still freaking me out a little bit. But, Evan, first five Cav games at Brooklyn, home versus Oklahoma City, home versus Indiana, and here's where it gets really fun. Home versus the Knicks on October 31st, the very next night. At MSG, Cavs-Knicks on November 1st. I love, Evan, to start and talk about this, that they get the Knicks early and then not again until March. We'll talk about the whole schedule as we go, but I think us getting Cavs-Knicks at the back end of the opening first five, getting it twice, it's a great way for us to see that playoff rematch early and then we can dwell on it for a while and then not see it again until March and maybe overanalyze it too. So off the top, um, that's the first primetime game for the Cavs is Cavs-Knicks. And like you said, it's probably good to get this out of the way. Uh, Hopefully people can stop posting that Jared Allen meme because he was right. The lights were brightest, but man, it feels bad to see that every time they come up. But more from just like a uniform standpoint, I'll be not mad, but disappointed if the Knicks don't wear orange that night and the Cavs don't wear black in Cleveland on TNT since it's Halloween. And the Browns and the Steelers missed a golden opportunity many moons ago when they played on Halloween not to wear orange and black, but I'm just I'm just going to vouch as a uh, aesthetic pleaser of watching the game in front of me. But um, yeah, I, looking at this schedule, it is interesting. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started rolling the show in general, but like Brooklyn, they're not a bad team. Like that's a pretty tough out to start your season with. But then you're going back home to play the Thunder, who are pesky. Then you have to play the Pacers immediately after that are pesky, and then you kind of have that. At least in the front, like like in the distance as you're driving down this highway of a season, like you have a back to back against New York at home and in New York. Like if you want to excise a lot of those demons that you dealt with at the end of the last season, you need to take care of business against the Knicks, not just at home, but especially on the road, because the Cavs got embarrassed flat out uh, at the end of the season during the po- during the playoffs when they were in New York City. And then the Knicks stole two home two at home if you're Cleveland. So, yeah, you want to take care of business of that. And it, it's a kind of frustrating ish uh first 10 games or so because then you have the pacers again you play the warriors the thunder the warriors the kings like and then soon after that you have the nuggets and the sixers like the the Cavs have a kind of tough start to the season and for a team that definitely had one of the better off seasons it's certainly a way to maybe set the tone to say that hey we're gonna wash off our backs what went wrong last year and look forward to this year and still show that the Cleveland Cavaliers are like a legitimate team in the Eastern Conference and the NBA. Yeah, I, I think getting to see them go through their paces a little bit early on is gonna be key. You know, you, the first again, so first five you get Brooklyn, they made the playoffs last year. Um I you know, we'll see what they are this year, but that's at least gonna be a solid well coached team with wings mm-hmm. that are gonna that can challenge you. Oklahoma City is one of the young stud up uprising teams in the league they're getting chet back that's going to be fun um shea is an absolute is 
probably the best player on the floor in that game. Indiana is really well coached. A lot of good players. They're going to be a challenge. Then you get the Knicks twice. We saw just what the Knicks did to Cleveland. You get Indiana again in Indiana. Then you get Golden State at home very early. And fr- frankly, it's just going to be weird to see Chris Paul playing for the for the Warriors in Cleveland. That's going to be weird. Then you get oh, go to OKC early, which so you get that out of the way early, which is interesting. And then you go to Golden State early as well. And then you're in Sacramento, which was one of those games last year, Evan, when I think back that. We didn't know what the Kings were at the time when the Cavs yeah. went out and played them. We didn't know what they were going to be. That's now like a really hard game for you. I, I think this opening this opening stretch, this whole opening run, I think we're going it, to... It's it's probably... I, I'm curious to see what the coaching staff or the players would say about this, but my inclination is to think that considering some of the changes you're making, considering some of the personnel adjustments, I think going them going through this run early is going to be good for them in the long term. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword for me. So the Cavs could go out, as you said, and like show that they can handle some of the pace, or in this case, the Pacers twice um, in the early beginnings of the season, because it's it's not like an easy draw if you're the Cavs. I think that's indicative of just how talented the NBA is. Maybe there is the the upper upper echelon teams like the Nuggets, um, but you're still gonna have to deal with the trials and tribulations of it. So. For me, as like a cynic looking at this, like, yeah, you hope the Cavs can just come the muster. I agree. It's going to be weird to see Chris Paul in a Warriors uniform twice in such a short stretch. Um, and then that's all you're really going to see unless like the in season tournament does something crazy. But other than that, like the Cavs, if they come out and take care of business and show that they're still able to hang with the best of the best, and especially just like deal with that back to back against New York, like, yeah, there's reason to feel optimistic about the Cavs this season. But you also don't want to give the Cavs, I guess, like that luxury of the doubt, benefit of the doubt, rather, where let's say, and this is the cynic in me talking, you know, let's say they flame out in the postseason again. Like, you know, a lot of people are going to circle back and say, like, well, they did pretty well the first 10 games of the season when they played teams like Golden State, Sacramento, uh, New York, a team they struggled with last year, and they even hang, hung well with Denver, Philly, Miami, and Los Angeles. Like, that's, that is a four game stretch for the Cavs. And I, I, understand regular season success is important to building towards what you're building towards in the postseason, but you can't rest on those laurels entirely. So yeah, I hope the Cavs take care of business, but I hope they don't think like, okay, this is going to be what our season is going to be period. Once we get to playoffs, because the Cavs were an excellent regular season team last year, and then they got humiliated by New York. So I, I want to see them take care of business, but also just like be realistic of the fact that like, Hey, this doesn't mean much because we need to get to the postseason as healthy as possible. Well, let's let's uh, let's just play devil's advocate on that for a second to, to kind of what you're saying about the regular season stuff. I, like, I agree with you. I think ultimately you get to the playoffs. If they lose in the first round again, 55 wins is going to not feel like very much. Yeah, like like who who cares if you go nine and one in the first 10 games of the season, if you well, lose in the first well, round? Well, but here's my thing. I kind of do. I, I kind of think that I kind of think the regular season for Cleveland, I think this early stretch I think it's going to tell you a little bit about the mentality of this group. I think this opening stretch is going to tell you a little bit about the edge this group is going to play with, the um, intensity they're going to play with, the focus okay. level they're going to play with. I think the regular season as a whole for Cleveland is going to have, is going to be interesting for that, but also because there is just going to be change. Like, yes, did they go out? Is there the shiny new toy in the garage? Is there the did they go get a sports car this summer like they did last year when they traded for Donovan Mitchell? No. But there's new tires on that sports car now because you have Max Struess and you have Jordan Yang. Like you have changed your roster a little bit. Um, there, there is, I think, enough, there is stuff you're going to have to figure out and go through 
to figure out what this team is going to be. And you're going to get tested early to see how the adjustments are. And we're going to get an idea early. I think, I, I just think if they, this to me doesn't strike me as a team that is 100% just comfortable, like 100% just running back the same exact thing. The personal no. moves they made do not indicate that. So I think there's a lot. And I think just that paired with what you're going to need to do in the regular season to, to, to prove yourself a little bit, I think there's a ton there, especially on when you do get, I mean, in that first 10 games, you get the Knicks twice. As we said, you get the Warriors twice, like right around 10 games. You get the King. Like, there's a lot of challenges early on that are going to tell you a little bit how focused they are to start there. I think that's highly, highly interesting. I think that's valid, especially just if you look at it from the just the personnel they added. And I, I chuckled when he said the sports card comparison because I thought they made maybe more of like an economical purchase with just the the yeah they, they got a hybrid they, they got they they got some hybrids this summer and that's that's nice they needed they they got like a Honda CRV like plug in hybrid and they're they're off and running yeah I mean that and that's totally fine I think that's what the team like the Cavs need and from the optics of do the new additions work? What is working? What isn't working? Um, do the Cavs still need have like some clear needs on the edges that they have to address? And it's always going to be perimeter shooting and wing depth. I think no, every team could always use an overabundance of that. But if you, we, we talked about this last season when breaking down the 2022-23 schedule that um, you look at it through like little lenses. Like in last year, it was how do Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell look together to start the season and much better than expected. This year, I think we want to see more of that, of course. Maybe what Evan Mobley has bringing to the table in the first 10 or 15 games. And of course, the new offseason additions. It's just to me, like you said, yeah, in the moment and like in the lens of that 10, 15 game window, it is important to win as many games as possible because it builds confidence, it builds chemistry and it builds flow and helps you figure out what is working. But I look at the big picture and just how like the Cavs had like this monstrously successful regular season last year and then get just punked in the playoffs. I'm just like, I take it with a grain of salt because I'm just like, yeah, they did all these great things in the regular season, but it doesn't mean as much to me because if you get embarrassed in the playoffs again, like there's some wholesale changes you have to make at the top then to kind of figure out what the issue is. Because this again, Cynic and me talking, but like we talk about this a lot that the Cavs are operating against a lot of timelines to figure out who and what they are as a team right now. Yeah, I'm just I'm constantly just kind of excited for basketball. Is the thing more? Oh, I am else. too. All right, I, after, I'm I'm fiending for it. After this, let's talk about uh, some of the toughest stretches of the season and what those are going to tell us. I, we're going to go towards the end of the season to that to start because there's a very funny two game back to back they have that is a classic NBA road trip trap. So we'll talk about that coming up after this. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. So you pick a team, any team, Browns, Chiefs, the Jets, I guess, if you're feeling weird, whatever team you're really into, your support, or you think it's going to Super Bowl, bet on them, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory they get. You can use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Again, use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Bet on the team to win any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every one of their victories. All right, back here, Lockdown Cavs. Stretch of the season, Evan, that first jumps out to me as challenging as this. 
West Coast Road Trip late in the season. You get you you play Philly at home on on the 29th of March. Then you go at Denver on Easter Sunday. That's an NBA TV game. Then you get at Utah, at Phoenix, at the Lakers, at the Clippers. The Lakers-Clippers one is April 6th and April 7th. That is a back-to-back, both 3.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time games. That is 12.30 local time in Los Angeles. A city NBA players um, are known to love and quite enjoy for its really? it, it, Yeah. It huh. turns out they really, they really like LA when it's, when you have money and you like to, to be up late because you have money and you're young. It's a cool place to be. Then you go home to get Memphis, Indiana, Charlotte. It is, it, I think that West coast road trip right before you get into the playoffs and particularly ending with a, a couple days in LA. If I am the, the traveling coordinator booking flights, um, I'm trying to hold them in Phoenix until until the fifth, and I'm flying them out on the seventh. Is it would be my thing, but just in generally getting yeah. Denver, Utah, Phoenix, LA, and LA back to back to back to back to back is a really big five game stretch right before you get into the, the the last little stretch run of the season. That is an interesting five game because you think about last season and they had towards the end of the season. I I was there covering it um, <clears throat> when the Cavs were in Brooklyn for two games and three nights. Um, and like you have to deal with the off-court distractions. Like the Nets weren't great, but the Cavs had one of their bigger moments of the season. Isaac Okoro hit that game winner against Brooklyn. And then just all momentum kind of screeched to a halt then. But to your point, I tongue in cheek say like if the Cavs don't have a bit of a gut check on this road trip to kind of like, you know, mentally prepare themselves for some of the stress and stress triggers of the uh postseason. And then you look at just like Okay, they have to host Memphis at home soon after. Memphis is a pretty good team. Uh, Indiana's uh, an aspiring good team, and I think they're pretty young and annoying. So you have to deal with those two. Then you have Charlotte, who's a bit of like a breath of fresh air. Who knows what the Hornets will be? I'm not optimistic about what they're going to be overall as a team, but who knows? They could be a surprise this year. But it's neither here nor there. Um, that is a tough. That's a tough stretch. Like not even just like the LA LA back to back on the sixth and the seventh. Uh, so like at noon where like prime like hangover stuff like Denver that's tough and then you have to go to Utah which is a place the Cavs lost at last season and then they have to go to Phoenix which is a very loaded team and that is on national TV at 10 p.m. Phoenix time so there's that time difference you have to deal with of course and like and you even mentioned it like they play Philly before they even go on this road trip and then they like three games before that have to play Miami Minnesota and Miami like those three like a triplet before they play Charlotte twice like the Cavs have an interestingly laid out season where things are kind of like bookended where it starts out kind of tough and it can kind of figure out like what does this team have what is what is and isn't working and then towards the end of the year you got to see how do they handle business and like are they like expending all this energy or are they just doing all the dumb stuff off the court and not really focusing on what matters which of course is a game by game basis but you're also kind of focusing on like okay, we have an idea of where we're going to be in the Eastern Conference standings. We have an idea of who we may play in the postseason. How can we prepare for this? Is there any strategy we can do to this as well to maybe like avoid a team like New York so you don't have to deal with what you dealt with last season? And there's a, there's some way you could jockey this a little bit. And I'm um, just from like a pure rest aspect too, like how does J.B. Bickerstaff and his staff approach this? Like, do they prioritize the postseason or do they prioritize regular season wins within the last five or so games of the season? Give me a give me another stretch of games that is, that has stood out to you, or another matchup run that you're kind of intrigued just to see how the Cavs handle it for whatever reason. So it's in 
mid-December. They're in Orlando, who I think is a much, much better team uh, than the record may indicate. And I think they're getting better, of course. And then they're in Boston for two nights on the 12th and 14th of December. Then they're home against Atlanta, who is a, a fairly good team. They have some star talent. And then like Houston, who's improved. And then like that, that little stretch there, I'm just like, okay, there's a taste of like the Eastern Conference elite and the Celtics is a team you're kind of fighting with in the thick of things for like the middle of the pack to getting into the elite with the uh, with the um, the Hawks. And then you have the Magic as well, which, like I said, are just going to be a pesky, young, athletic, lengthy team across the board that is going to make life a little bit hard for Cleveland, I feel, just especially because they're not at home and the Cavs historically weren't a great road team last season. So like that's an interesting little stretch for me and then like there's like little moments of brevity too where like they're home against the Wizards twice and then they're home against the Spurs like those are probably going to be a little bit of breathers for the Cavs and maybe like mandatory rest games for some players too because like a random injury pops up but I don't know it's like I said like the Cavs have like these random like windows where it's tough but like it's just bookended by tough stuff um but what about you what else is sticking out to you Yeah I think one of the interesting parts of it um, is that overall, like on paper, uh, they have kind of like an easy schedule is like kind of how this has worked out. So positive residual does like a schedule summary breakdown. That is like one of my Bible NBA pages I'm going to throughout the season. If you look at the strength of schedule breakdown, um, here are the, in, from easiest to like hardest, this is like the, this is the, the strength of schedule you have. So Denver has the easy schedule in the league next year and based on winning percentage of last year. Then the Jazz, then the Celtics, and the Cavs have the fourth easy schedule based on winning percentage, fifty point two percent. So like they they theoretically have like a pretty manageable schedule. Um, on the other end of things, it's like the Spurs, the Rockets, the Kings, the Lakers, the Pistons have the hardest. Now, is it like a massive difference between easiest and the hardest based on these winning percentages? Not necessarily, but that little stuff could matter. Um, mm-hmm. I think the other part of it that kind of intrigues me is I'm really curious just to see there's two stretches where the Cleveland gets little breaks and I'm curious just to see how they will approach that. Um, This is going to be a new little bit of wrinkle. The first one that's because we have the in-season tournament. So they play uh, December, December 2nd, they play in Detroit. They could theoretically be off until the 11th when they play in Orlando, like you, like one of the games you mentioned, if not, they're going to be playing in the in-season tournament over that stretch. I'm curious to see, you know, if they get there, if they, if they get there, and I think they have a really good chance to get out of their group at this point based on what's going on in Philly and the rest of their group. Or what do they do with the nine days off? Like, how do, how do, how do the Cleveland or any other team approach it? I think that's going to be interesting. And then you have the game um, against Brooklyn in Paris. You have, yes, you have four days off before that. When you play the Spurs at home, that's one of your Sunday matinee games. That's a 1 p.m. game against against Vic and against Pop and all that. Then you play the 11th in Paris. That's a 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tip. And then you're off again until the 15th when you host the Bulls and you get the Bucks after that. These are just like these little interesting stretches that I'm curious just to see like how the unorthodox parts of the schedule and particularly international travel part of it for Paris I'm curious just to see what that that looks like because that'll be a new wrinkle for everyone. I agree, and I think the the Paris game is going to be just an interesting beast in of itself, just because there is a lot of travel behind it. There's going to be a ton of press. There's going to be a ton of just like moving pieces within that because you're not just doing like the American press cycle. You're doing with like French basketball news. I'm sure our our main man Christos will be there too, covering it for SBNA Greece, and it's just like. 
there's going to be a lot of moving pieces for the Cavs heading to Paris when they play the Nets. But thankfully, like you said, they have a four-ish game gap between their time when they play. They host the, the Spurs, they head to Paris, and then they have four days off tactically after that game. That includes travel, of course, to head back home, then play Chicago and Milwaukee uh, with Milwaukee being on ESPN. So like there, there's a, some logistics stuff. I think, like you said, like there's small windows after like the two tougher bookends of this season that the Cavs maybe have to deal with a little bit of adversity, but they do have the luxury of sure. The Eastern conference is a lot more competitive, but the bottom of it's a lot worse. And like the Cavs have gotten the luxury at least of like dealing with, I'm looking at a stretch of the schedule now, like they play the Pistons and then they play the Grizzlies and they're in San Antonio and they play Sacramento and they play Washington. Like there's small gaps in between where like, yeah, you have to show up and play these guys and hopefully beat them. But like, if you want to give Donovan Mitchell the night off or Evan Mobley or Jared Allen or Darius Garland the night off as well, like I think you can afford these opportunities to kind of maybe hang with some of the bigger hitters in the Eastern Conference that you may have to deal with come postseason time, or may want to keep as far away as possible so they don't spoil your postseason plans either. All right, up next, let's finish up a little more schedule talk for this one. Let's dive in to some of our just most interesting one-off games. Let's talk about that up next. I hate to, to kind of hit this again, Evan, but I got to tell you, uh, Nick's on Halloween. That's really high up there for me. I, I just think you get that early. I, I think anyone who was on that team last year um is gonna be like man i'd really like it, it's gonna tell it like what is the the energy level for them in that one mm-hmm. and also i'm really curious to just be like hey max Struess, you were on a team that beat the knicks in the playoffs last year what worked for you guys that didn't work for the Cavs? and see how he answers it kind of yeah. curious yeah and i think the fact like good on the nba and the schedule makers and the broadcasting partners of the nba as well too Put this one on prime time because there's going to be a lot of speculation. Like no matter what, um, I'm honestly surprised they went with Cleveland versus New York. The uh, like they didn't flip flop it. Where like they're in New York on the 31st and then they're in Cleveland on the first or something like that. Just because there was so much off court drama and speculation, especially just with all the noise that's surrounding Donovan Mitchell this off season, especially after the postseason exit the Cavs have had. And I, I said this in the first segment. If like if you're Cleveland and you really want to show that hey, we have moved past last season, we have excised our demons, we are dealing with the boogeyman that is the New York Knicks. Like if you're able to, to at least win in New York, if you split the series, let's say the Cavs drop the one at home, but they win in New York, or if they go two and oh, like, yeah, that's a, that's a early season. I, I know I was poo pooing it earlier, but like that's an early enough season statement to say like, okay, the Cavs have distanced themselves from it. They are a little bit annoyed still with how last season ended. Maybe they are frustrated with all the noise and narratives that are outside of their control and just things they aren't actively saying to the media or anyone else. But it's going to be interesting to see just how that, like it's not even just the 31st game. I think it's just both of those games are like really fascinating to me. Like how do the Cavs tackle that? How do they approach it? Like what is the narrative or storyline going to be at the time? Because maybe something shifts between now and then too. Maybe New York makes a power move somehow, but I doubt that it's going to probably be Miami at this point. But um, I mean, yeah. the, the, um, Lord, Lord knows if like Joel and beads, they got affiliate that like, if he's going to where I the Knicks, who he might go to the Knicks or the Rockets, according to uh reporting out there. So 
but we'll see. It's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, those games are intriguing to me, but like a little bit down the pipeline. Um, the, the Kings one is always going to be fascinating to me because the Cavs and the Kings kind of have some parallels to them where they're like, not just the Mike Brown aspect of it, but like these are two young, very young teams that could kind of lead the forefront of the NBA, uh, especially because they're non-glamour market teams as well. And like, I think that's fun. And that's a, that's a, that's one of the more frustrating losses I think the Cavs had last season was when they were on the road in Sacramento. Like they didn't show up to play. And like, it's just another one of those weird games. Where, like you play the Warriors and then you play the Kings soon after that. And maybe you're already focused on like, okay, if we get through Sacramento, we can kind of take it a little bit easier against Portland because Dame may not be there anymore. Like you got to take the Kings super seriously because they are one of the better teams. And I'm, I mean, I'm a higher on them as a squad too. So that's always interesting. And then, yeah, I don't know. Like the, that little West Coast, mid, the very Midwest to West Coast swing the Cavs have after that New York, like in the emotion, the New York trip and the emotional hangover that comes with it is, is definitely going to be something I'm like keeping an eye on. Uh, not because of the lack of sleep, but because of just some possibly really like fun early season basketball to kind of get me juiced, especially when the regular season tournament starts kind of mattering soon after that, too. Give me a give me another one off game you're you're excited about. Oh, when they play Philly on November twenty first, like if James Harden is playing in China or he's playing with the Clippers and Joel Embiid's just doing his own thing, like I'm a huge Tyrese Maxey guy and I want to see what Maxey looks like if he's empowered as the lead guard. Is he capable of handling those responsibilities or is he a guy that's similar to Malcolm Brogdon with the Bucks where he benefited from playing with like Giannis and Chris and Brogdon's sake and uh, Maxi maybe benefited a little bit more of sharing the floor with Harden and Embiid, but like that's going to be an interesting game. And to your point, like we keep talking about the regular season into season tournament, um, we also may get an idea of like I almost want to say Doc Rivers. What is Nick Nurse going to do uh, coaching the Sixers? Like, is he going to like make his team go a while? Like he typically does. Like he doesn't really rest his guys, or does he kind of say, you know what? This regular season tournament doesn't mean as much to us as postseason success, so they're going to give Embiid the night off. But it's that that Sixers game is going to be a good trial by fire. Actually, the, honestly, this opening like 15 games is going to be a good trial by fire for Mobley and Allen too, just like to show like, okay, what have you done to kind of show that maybe you aren't as soft as you were in the postseason? But like that Sixers game is going to be one I just kind of have circled a few times over on my calendar already because I'm like, it's going to be fun just depending on just like the off-court stuff and what both teams have. What's another one you have your marked? Denver at altitude on Easter, I think will be interesting. Um, the first Phoenix game on on March 11th in Cleveland, I think, will be interesting just because mm-hmm. it's that team's loaded with scoring talent. We'll see what it looks like. Um, but I guess Evan, the the there's two from a crowd perspective that I'm always just gonna have circled, and they're kind of obvious ones. Like, call me just whatever, but LeBron on November 25th, like that's gonna be a really big sports day because that's a that's the Saturday after Thanksgiving. That's Ohio State Michigan day. Yeah, it's a big it's a big day for the James gang. You know, LeBron might be wearing his Buckeye uh, varsity jacket to that game. I, the, the the pandering that day is going to be incredible and it's going to be I just I love it. Uh, so just sign me up for that. So like they, they get LeBron that Saturday. It's always a big deal when he's back. Oh, yeah. You're only going to get a you're only going to get a couple more of these. So like take advantage of it. I think that's going to be really cool. Um, and then. He didn't play last year in Cleveland, and there was a whole like internet thing about it and how this family like flew from Israel or whatever. I think Luka Doncic will be in Cleveland oh. Tuesday, February twenty seventh. Um, that and when Giannis plays in Cleveland, which happens more frequently because of the division aspect of it. But Luka in Cleveland is always just like because of the Slovenian population here is absolutely 
amazing. So that one also makes the list for me. Okay, I was wondering plus where Ky- you're going plus with... Kyrie. Will Kyrie play in Cleveland? Lord knows. I want to see it, though. I just... Th- that's going to be so weird. I forgot about that for half a second, and then I remembered. Wait, I have one more before we head out. Yeah, hit me. Well, Wednesday, December 20th, will Colin Sexton get a tribute video when the Jazz comes Oh, my down? God. Yeah, that's true. I hope so. Because he didn't, he was, he didn't play he didn't when get, they were... He didn't play, yeah. and he didn't get one last time, and there yeah. was a certain subsection of fans that were a little uh, grumpy that he didn't, so yeah um all jokes boy. aside though uh the jet that jazz team does fascinate me um be nice to see our boss david Locke. i hope my checks in the mail after saying that david but uh that jazz team is just interesting to me because they they did get john collins this summer like i think i have completely kind of forgotten that and then i look at them I'm like oh yeah they got john collins but like that's another young annoying team the Cavs kind of have to learn how to handle because they can hit them with a lot of youth athleticism and depth that's going to be it for this episode of Lockdown Cavs. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Jamrell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for Bruce. We'll be back at you next week with more Locked on Cavs. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy yourselves.